Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. He's watched three decades of Rockies baseball from the stands, from the press box, a TV studio, and even from behind a radio microphone. Tom Green from KUSA 9 News joins the show this week to share stories and insights from all these different angles and offer his perspective of the state of the franchise today. You know that thing about it being darkest before the dawn? Yeah, maybe not. The one and only Tom Green is on deck right here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Don't go anywhere. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Many uh, 30 years. Rockies just came out with their new logo for the 30th anniversary. I'm looking forward to hopefully being part of that again. I always, I always treat you good for that. Uh, some of us, there's not very many of us. A few of us have been here for all, all 30 years. And one guy who's been here all 30 years plus before that, who's seen this Colorado Rockies through several different lenses as a fan, as a TV sportscaster, as a radio sports talk show host, and now as a newscaster. Tom Green joins us on the show today, and it's going to be a lot of fun talking stories and talking memories with Tom Green. Tom, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to join you guys. We're, we are very, very glad to have you. I know uh, sports remains a passion of yours, even though you're not technically in the sports business anymore. But let's let's start at the beginning. Let's go back. I mean, you were doing Channel 9 sports in the 80s, if I remember right. Yep. Um, and then right around the time the Rockies, you were still doing TV sportscasts when the Rockies came into existence, right? Channel 9? I stayed doing sports till 2001, so I was around for the, the right. first, you know, decade as a sports broadcaster. But you always told me, you told me one story that, is, believe it or not, it stuck with me and it stuck in my craw for a long time. That you were in the stands when I pit, when I got lit up by the Braves one night in Mile High Stadium with Mark Weeby, and I, I, for some reason that's always bothered me. <laughs> I don't know well, why. It's how, that it was a no, miserable day. All this, but, hey, but listen, you, Mark, so you, Mark, you guys didn't you guys go like zero and twelve? against the Braves yeah, that year. Yeah, so yes, like, yes, we did. Yes, I mean, we did. I mean, some days you, were the only, you weren't the only one getting lit no. up by the Braves. So, on some, day, but some days were worse than others. But Tom, it, it strikes me though. You were, you were working in the media, but yet you, you decided to, to go to Mile High Stadium and watch Rockies baseball as a fan. Why did you do it that way? Well, I grew up as a baseball fan in New York, uh, obviously a big sports fan of all teams. 
And so the opportunity to buy season tickets and go in with some buddies and go to some ball games out at Mile High, uh, there was certainly going to be the best time uh, because I wasn't working every night. It wasn't like if you were a beat writer, you had to cover all 162. You know, so I would work a few games and then I would have a few where I could sit in the stands, have a couple of beers and um, watch the Braves do what they did to you and and to the Rockies every night. Yeah. That's right. Well, what made that special, though? I mean, to sit in the stands, there's I, I remember my first outing that night. There were eight, fifty some thousand people on a weeknight. Fifty yep. some thousand people in the stands, and I got a standing ovation when I walked off the field after getting hammered. And I remember at, sitting down, going, "Were you people even watching the game? Did you really care about the game? Or was just the fact that baseball was here that made that that event so special?" Well, I think for a lot of people, it goes all the way back. If you were a, you know, I, I covered the Denver Bears a bit. I covered the yep. Zephyrs when they changed their names, and you know, every. Yep six or eight years there'd be an old timers game or they would bring you know two teams on their way up from spring to come play and you Mm -hmm. know tens of thousands would turn out to see anything that looked like major league baseball whether it was guys who were 60 or guys who were just kind of going through the motions on their way to to start the regular season so when the real thing came i mean this was this was just a rabid town to see it major league baseball to support their team and if, you know, back then, if they won two or three games a week and you happened to be there for one of those wins, that was that was cool. And you got to see the other team and you started to imagine, you know, you would think 30 years later, you know, you'd be considered a big major league team. And, you know, it hasn't quite panned out that way for the uh, for the Rocks. But it's well, been, I mean, you know, if no, they had it's... a division title banner up somewhere, I mean, that would have been good. Wild card well, banner. They got close a few times. I was just looking. Yep. I was trying to think of how many times they finished second. It looks like four or five times within a game or two. But uh, right now, that gap is as good as it's ever been, I think. Even from when they started, uh, their aspirations of trying to win a, a, a National League West title, I think are further away now than maybe they've been at any time. And it's not all their fault. A lot of it is the business of baseball and, and who they're in with in the National League West. Well, that, we're all planning on expansion and real realignment here pretty soon. So we're hoping that there'll be a National League Midwest or something that they can <laughs> probably win in, in a couple of years. Get out, get away from the West Coast teams. I know you, as a sportscaster, it was a really thrilling time to be covering the Major League Baseball arrive here. I, I was telling, talking to um, Jack Ekin last week on this on this podcast about he was there and you were there too for the name tags in spring training. Remember, hello, my name is name tag we were wearing in spring training. <laughs> The, people don't understand, as rabid as people cover, as the media now covers Bronco training camp, it was that and then some for those first couple of years of spring training. Yeah, and I think for the average fan, you know, who really wanted to be a big-time Rockies fan, even when they built the first team, you know, Don Baylor was still the biggest name, that, a yep. ball player you'd know on the team, as good as yep. Galarraga was or Bichette was as these guys came in. They'd yet, I mean, I'd say Andres Galarraga had the most credentials but there were a lot of guys who had washed out elsewhere. That you know, Daryl Boston, who was going to be a star, and never quite was. A Freddie Benavides, and you know, you had these guys who never really evolved or you know grew into anything fantastic. But for the fans, they had to get to know who was who, and it was harder to do in the pre-internet, pre-cell phone era. You had to pick up. Uh, man, I don't know if you know this. There was a thing called the newspaper, and people would yeah. read you know, sports <laughs> stories. And yeah, I. I'm in my, I'm in, I, you know, I was looking, I, every time I see 2023 now, I think this is my 40th year oh. on this planet. And so I do kind of remember newspapers. So I mean, like, they, I used to read the San Francisco, I grew up in the Bay Area and I used to read the sporting arena, the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, Gwen Knapp, who recently 
uh, passed away. Yeah, we just lost her. Yeah, yeah, I used to I used to read her all the time and Ray Ratto and all those people. So uh, Hank Shulman, who I ended up, you know, getting to cover the Giants alongside when they were when they were coming in here. So I I do remember what it felt like to have a newspaper. I still have a few actually that I've saved <laughs> from, from I can show my daughter what the hey look you know this is what it used to be like you know so. Oh, so it was thing... cool. You could read everyone's batting average. The principal. Yeah. Oh man, the, the, the agate page, the agate pages. Yeah, man, agate that was page, it. Yes. That, that was, was it. it. Yeah, there was a time there where we didn't know what our batting average was or our ERA was until the next day when we show up at the ballpark and it's and there's you know the printouts on there. Oh, I'm hitting such and such. On my ERA, it wasn't up on the board instantaneously, which I think honestly was better than than, than now. I mean, now guys get caught up too much in it. Hey Tom, um, the media here remains soft. On the Rockies, you're an East Coast guy. You understand the media. When the Rockies came in, I remember Woody wrote something about Charlie Hayes one day about, or yeah, he wrote something yeah. about home, home for the home. We had any home runs in spring training? Home for the homerless or something. Charlie Hayes got bent at Woody, and I just tried to tell him, listen, that's just who he is. That's what he's going to do. But he was an Woody was an anomaly. Everybody else was so nice to the Rockies those first few years. You remember that? Well, I think it's some. Yeah, but I think uh, whether you're on the air or or in print or you know however you appear nowadays i do think you to some extent like to mirror your fan base or at least be you know on a par understand what your fan base is and i think the fan base here continues to be soft i mean we still see the the big crowds turn out every night and there are good reasons for it i mean why should i not go if i want to have a, a big night out and go go sit with my buddies and watch the Pittsburgh Pirates or the LA Dodgers, you know, and, and hopefully the Rockies hit a few out and maybe we'd get a win. But, you know, it is a soft baseball town and soft isn't always bad. Sometimes soft is just yeah. who we are. Yeah. I think that, that I question argue. then, yeah, I think the question then becomes um, at what point does soft become synonymous with mediocre team yeah. and stay that way just because not saying that that's what it is, but I mean, it's, it's, this is a team that like we were alluding to earlier, or we talked about earlier that they, they haven't won a division title uh, in 30 years. Not that it's been easy. Like you said, yeah. Tom, I mean, it's especially in, in this era right yeah. now, but it still remains. They, they, they reached the world series on a, on a, just a, you play those <laughs> 21 games again yeah. and you don't get the same result 99 out of a hundred times, you know, if, if that, and so where at at what point is it do you think the media do you think the media needs to cover this team any differently than it should given where it's at i don't know i think it's trickier now because you have to remember when the when the rockies arrived obviously there was tre- tremendous excitement about it but but the broncos are still the kings of the town but they they, they weren't exactly in their their best of days the okay. nuggets were not good at all and then the abs didn't exist so the competitive nature of the market you know, has changed over these 30 years. You know, you certainly see harder columns written about the Broncos than you do about the Rockies. But I think some of that comes from, you know, some of the A words like absence, like, uh, are you there all the time? Are you there enough to criticize the team? Apathy, which I think is the fans' uh, current appetite for the team. It's like, whatever, you know, we'll go out and watch a few games, but we're not expecting anything. And we're not expecting anything in three years either. And and I think part of that is that they've lost uh, faith in in the ownership slash management of the team. And I don't think they know how to express that, how to deliver that message other than not going. And they're not not going. They still come yeah. out to the games. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and I and and the other thing too, I think, is that the, maybe they don't know 
what to think uh, fans anyway, uh, or haven't known what to think in the last few years because of what happened with Arnado and then, and then story left. And, and then suddenly you're throwing you back up the truck for Chris Bryant. And it's like, what, what exactly is happening here? So I think that, and Mark and I talked about this before, perhaps this, this quiet off season is exactly what they need now because they need to kind of figure out what they've got uh, with the, with the young uh, pro with prospects and the young players that are coming through here. Um, see what you've got for the next couple of years and then start building around that and kind of cr try to create an identity. Maybe the kids will create an identity for you. Do you think that uh, maybe this team might finally be getting to that point where fans might actually start knowing what this team kind of is going to become rather than the last few years, which was like trying to tread water with uh, all this chaos around them? Yeah, it's hard to say, um, you know, it's because when you talk about the kids, it does not even seem as though they are outperforming the other teams in the National League West in the farm system area either. They certainly can't spend with the top teams in the division, it seems like right now, or won't or don't know how, whatever you want to choose. But when the Dodgers keep calling up three, four, five guys a year who all show up like they're polished major leaguers ready to do damage, uh, you know, the Rockies are telling us about Zach Veen, and we're waiting for Zach Veen. But it's one guy. It's a guy coming down the pipe instead of, you know, three guys or some guy who nobody can hit, even if it's in the, you know, the Arizona Complex League or if it's, you know, some guy, you know, playing single A ball, but he's, he's coming fast. It's got to be more than one guy. It's got to be this, you know, the, a small generation, two or three years where you have players pushing yeah. other guys out of their jobs at the major league level, because I don't know how they're going to compete in the financial major league level world when pitchers don't want to come here. And I'm not too sure hitters do either. I'm not too sure anyone's yeah. dying to jump on this unless they're going to get paid to do it and, and you overpay for them. Going back to the mid-90s for a minute, um, when the Rockies were good, um, and they got good real fast. They went from an expansion team to a playoff team in two seasons. You made a transition at that point from TV to radio. So more interactive with fans. You and Doug Moe, we were talking about Doug a little bit ago. You and Doug Moe were, were, were the first uh, drive-time hosts, I believe, on the fan. And so there was – was there a lot of Rockies chatter then? Were fans excited because that team was suddenly a winner out of, out, almost out of nowhere? Yeah. Well, we needed them, too. I mean, if you've done enough radio to know yeah. that uh, when when the basketball and hockey teams put it up for the year and oh, now you have awful. two months. Yeah, but then now you have two months of just baseball and you're yep. trying to get to Bronco training camp. If your baseball team's irrelevant, you know, you're going to have a lot of talking about football. Who's the greatest June, NBA player of all time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so having the baseball team competitive made talk radio easy because there were games and, and uh, you know, discussions about plays that were being made and plays that weren't being made or managerial moves. I mean, Doug loved the game. Doug would always watch the games. We'd, we'd have great chats and, and the, the callers were, were participating. But, you know, if you have a great four season sports town, sports talk radio is a lot of fun because you've always got someone screwing up something or somebody, <laughs> you know, pulling one out of the hat or something. That, that can drive your show for a day or a week. I think Doug Moe likes baseball more than he likes basketball. What do you think? Totally, totally. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I always said, you know, you'd go down to spring training, and you've done this, I'm sure, Oh yes. but you'd see the pitchers running in the outfield, and he'd say, yeah, and they walk back faster than they ran. <laughs> and then and then, he, but I would say. That oh, was you, right, Mark? Bat. Oh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> that was every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but. 
I would say, oh, my God, the be- the basketball players are such better athletes than these guys. And Doug would laugh. He'd go, the basketball players are the worst athletes. And he he loved to trash talk the basketball players and loved, just loved the baseball players. I mean, he he grew up as a kid in Brooklyn. He was a Dodgers yep. fan from Go. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to go talk about old New York baseball days. And, and the Rockies gave us plenty to talk about. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough of, you know, in – in our years doing it, they were relevant. They could get relevant. They could they could get to Labor Day mattering. Pre pre Rockies, I was with the Brewers in spring training in, in Arizona. Les Shapiro, may rest in peace. Les and Doug were there with the game, and they said, "You're not playing. Come and sit with us in the stands." So I, I showered. I came up and sat in the stands at the Padres Stadium in Chandler with Doug and Les. And Doug grilled me for six innings for his fantasy <laughs> draft. <laughs> want to know what this guy? Want to know what that guy? I spent six innings explaining. I don't know about that guy. I don't know who that guy is. He he was so scientific about his rotisserie league team before it really got to be what it is now. I mean, you could just tell he really knew baseball. Yeah, he loved it. He would talk about it all the time. He, you know, we, I'll give you Doug in other sports real quickly. One is when the Avs came to town, we'd do our show for McNichols Arena. Then we'd go sit up in the high end zone and watch a period or two before he had, he'd go home. And I said, Doug, I you don't know anything about hockey. And then we talk about the game and you could tell he had a coach's eye. He saw yeah. more than yeah. almost anybody in the stands. And he, and he would always kid me, say, Oh, you should see Larry Brown. He sees everything. He sees everything. But then with football, he once went with Reeves and the Broncos coaches. He was up in Greeley and he went with them to watch film. And he said, Oh, it's the dumbest thing I ever did. I went in there. They watched the same play 30 times. I'm like, don't you guys get it? It takes you 30 times to watch one play. So he was always fun to, to watch him look at the other sports. The sports talk radio was just temporary for you. Obviously you went back into sports broadcasting or sports television at a time in the 2000s when the Rockies weren't very good. How, was it a struggle at that point to, to talk about this team and, and keep, try to keep any kind of a positive vein going, keep interest going? How much harder was your job when the team was was really bad in the early 2000s? I don't know, because I, th- I think like every team, you go through those first few months. And even if it's bad, you, you know, you can say, well, you know, all we got to do is, you know, if we can get six out of seven, you know, we're back in this or we get a little something going. Uh, they weren't I mean, even when they weren't good, they I, I don't think there was that abject uh, hopelessness that set in earlier and earlier. And I really do think that's their problem right now is there, there's a their image and their their view internally, uh, I don't mean in the organization, but in their fan base is, you know, it's not going to be wait till next year. It's going to be like, oh, my goodness, if only lightning could strike or something strange yeah. could find us. Realignment. But, yeah. Well, or or a Nikola Jokic type thing where you, you just draft this kid out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's the best player in the league. If they could find that kid, you know, if, if there's some Serbian guy <laughs> who wants to come pitch for the Rockies. And if he can go 31 <laughs> and four, you know, they draft Denny McLean from Sambor, yeah. Serbia, you know, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's <clears throat> one thing about the Rockies is they never lost a hundred games. They never won a hundred games. Yeah. Um, and, and you talk only little, team, right, man. That's the only team in baseball. Uh, I, I would imagine. Cool. So um, I think it's the only team. Yeah. I would imagine. So, and, and so, you know, that's, um, that's something that, that kind of is, it's kind of a, you know, it's two sides of a coin. Obviously, there's the good part about, hey, well, we're never really bad and we're never really good. But you you oftentimes get to the point where you're pretty close to really bad or pretty close to really good. And is that maybe make it difficult to be a fan around here? Do you think uh, just in your interactions with fans over the years, 
because it's like you don't know exactly what to think. It's like you go into a season and usually when the Rockies win, they are a surprise team. And usually mm-hmm. when yeah. the Rockies are expected to be a little bit better, they disappoint and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, are they under underperform that that um, prediction? So it, does that make it kind of harder as, as well for fans to cope? Yeah, I think so. I um, to go back to McNichols, um, I was sitting watching a hockey game. I think it was Mark Mosier was sitting with me and we were teasing Dan Issel about his, his name being up in the rafters and. And I think Mosier had missed the point. He'd come to town, and I said, you know what? Just so you know, I mean, the Nuggets aren't good now, but this town loves to love the Nuggets. They just yep. got to put something on the floor. And I think the Rockies have that same thing. I mean, this town loves to love the Rockies. Sure. It's been a very – it hasn't – they've not been able to deliver on the promise either regularly enough or give you the feeling often enough that, you know, that 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 they're going to be there. And like I said, I think the current environment in baseball in the National League West and, and at 20th and Blake is not good. It's 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 really hard to get interested. Uh, we had uh, Patrick Saunders on the show today to talk about Todd Helton. And, you know, he had just written an article about the quiet offseason again. And it's to us, it's like it's quiet, but it's also nobody's asking. You know, right. it's like, tell me yeah. more. It's like, yeah, OK, well, just we'll see you down in uh, in Phoenix. We'll, you know, see what they're doing and go from there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, the Rockies are that, that's kind of the vibe around them now. It's just everything's um you know, part of it too is you know Billy Schmidt. I mean Billy Billy is a um uh he's a he's a great talent Close spotter. to the best. Yeah, he's a great talent spotter and he's a um and he's and he's a very well respected man in the game for a long time and he's been this or this organization um for a very very long time and he's yep. I, I have a lot of respect for what he's done and what you know even what he's doing now because it's not an easy job but yeah like like mark said he's he doesn't he doesn't exactly uh he's not a talker yeah. you know and nope. and it's not it's not one of those things I remember last time i talked to him you know i was like here let me grab my recorder he's like what do you need that for let's just talk you know it's like it's kind of yeah. like you know let's just you know <laughs> let's just do it this you know we don't need we don't need to we don't need to go you know into all this other yeah. stuff on the record and everything let's just talk you know um but it's it's always usually it's like the Ronald Reagan thing where you know he would talk for a long he might talk for a few minutes, but then you look at your notepad and you're like I didn't write anything down he because there's not it. actually anything there, you know. And so um, with that, you know, it's like maybe you know that's kind of feeling or kind of a little bit also kind of helping helping this kind of feeling of yeah you know meh it's not really nothing's really yeah. going on and we don't expect anything to go on and. Um, but but you know that being said, you might see some. You might see some. He makes makes some good moves if if he can convince uh, the guy upstairs that uh, that he needs to make certain moves, and then suddenly quietly, you know, they start getting good. Well, so maybe that happens. I think I think the the ultimate breakup between the the Rockies and their fans was the Arenado move, and I think yeah. that was the one, you know, that still lives you know and, and everyone who wants to you know smart off about the party deck or whatever else they don't like about it or however else they want to get their point across that they don't like the way the team is is owned slash run but the Arenado one was real I mean that was one that every fan at whatever level they wanted to understood and they understood it wasn't good it wasn't the team didn't get better and if you want us to bank on the long term of it getting better the track record doesn't doesn't point to that being a good bet. So, yep. uh, I, I recovering from that single move because you know there are all these other subtle moves, a rule five draft thing that most fans never hear about or care about. 
But when you take your best player, your your the face of your franchise, and ship him off, uh, you know, especially for the way that deal was presented, uh, that is going to be hard for people to come back to. Uh, I mean, unless the team you know gets out of the gate and runs some wins, or I don't know what it's going to take. But that was that was probably the unkindest cut of all. Where would you rank that in terms of monumental moments in Rockies history? How about in, how about in Denver sports history? I mean, all of it. Well, I mean, you know, the, when you do the the sports history, I, I think we 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 have a certain you know recency bias. I mean, if you go all the way back to Wizard White and all that stuff, you know, we can go too far. But Super Bowls and Stanley Cups, you know, will rank at the top of Denver sports history. Uh, the Rockies sure. getting to the World Series, and that that was such a weird year in in every way, including the long delay to play the World Series. Um, you know, it would be there for the Rockies is probably their preeminent moment uh, was, was, you know, getting, getting to the 2007 series, you know, and the Nuggets played in ABA finals and who knows what this year might bring for them. Uh, but, but there are a lot, there are a lot of others as far as Rockies history. I mean, that's, that's probably the low. I mean, again, that, that might be recency bias. If I, if I thought about it more, I think the Arenado trade might, might be the lowest moment for Rockies oh. fans. Uh, well, like what else would you throw in there? Well, you, you're coming off two straight playoff appearances. So yeah, that makes sense. That's well, because the expectation bar had been raised a little bit. And also um, to me, that's an implicit admission of failure, even though it's not going to be stated as such. I mean, that was your right. face of your franchise, literally the cornerstone of your franchise at the hot corner. That's the guy who was, you're, you were going to yep. build everything around or supposedly we're going to build everything around. I mean, that's really what went into the whole um, problem, right. With between the two sides, Um, I guess each side had a different definition of what building a winner meant. And, um, and and so like, that's, that's a really big blow, right? Because it's like, we were, you know, everything we're banking on, everything we're trying to, to create here is built around Nolan Arenado. That's he's the guy. And then suddenly, you know, he, he, he pushes his way out um, and it was ugly. And uh, it's like, where, what do you even do at that point? Where do you go from yeah. here? And, th- and they're still yeah, kind I mean, of in that situation where they're trying to figure well, out. You two would, would be... know better than I that that also had to resonate through MLB as far as other players, other GMs, other agents, everyone, yes. as far as their evaluation, that they may have already had a complete evaluation of, of the Rockies. But I would think that would be a very difficult thing for other players not to notice, for agents and, and other GMs to not oh, yeah. go, wow. Well, that was no the question. question I think that. that was the question where with with Chris Bryant when he came. You know, as everyone was asking him, like, why'd you come here? Why'd you come here? And he got a little bit. <laughs> I think he got a little bit tired of it um, because he had his reasons and and more power to him. But um, it's like, did did you see what happened? You know, and so um, <laughs> it's weird. It's but but he, you know, and 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 that's great for the Rockies because he's kind of the personality that they need, but. Uh, you do wonder, like after what happened, like he's you got a superstar, another superstar in here. Who are some of your favorite individual Colorado Rockies people that you've dealt with? Not necessarily interviewed or, or were characters, but just people that you interacted with. Present company excluded, of course. The people that you <laughs> you interacted with. That well, there were, goes were, number one. Were, there goes number one. <laughs> some really good, really good stories that maybe didn't make the news but resonated with you. Well, uh, one of my favorites is always Larry Bernard. And Larry Bernard yeah. was the first pitching coach. Mm-hmm. And the reason I the liked bear. Larry, yeah, the bear. And he, you know, he was a wonderful man. God rest his soul. Yep. 
But yep. but Bear was the first year we'd go down to spring training when it was down in Tucson, and we'd go across the street from our hotel to get dinner, and we'd see Bear at the bar. We'd get a chance to sit and chat with him, and he was such such a funny guy, and he was he was the lightest guy in in baseball I'd ever been around. As a, I always I always say that baseball players can be a little prickly, and I've, I have this theory that at the end of a baseball game. Uh, baseball players still have a lot of energy because they haven't used any. Uh, whereas football, <laughs> baseball, and basketball players have been running around banging into other people. Baseball players are like, sure. you know, I ran to first four times and chased the ball in right center. and That's all I did. So, uh, but I just thought he, he was always my favorite. He died way too young. and, and uh, But especially in that early Rockies era and you, you know, you knew the staff and the, the, the yep. pitchers and, you know, they were, it was a collection. It was a collection of maybe oh, yes. gonna be guys who, who weren't quite there yet. Guys who had already, you know, passed the, their best days. And it was uh, the, to be the pitching coach of the 1993 Colorado Rockies was certainly a job fit for the bear. Yeah. And, and so you're telling me you didn't stick around the Viscount hotel in the, the lobby yeah, in there. That was right. You, no, you, you, we go across the street over at, I think yeah. it was TGI Fridays. Was yeah, across, Fridays the street. across the street. That's right. I remember. Yeah. I remember that. So go, uh, that that coaching there. staff had some characters. I mean, Don Zimmer's on that coaching staff, right? The one yeah. and only. And it was Don weird Zimmer, because... who, 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 up and, who up and left and, and just left it in the middle yep. of a game, yep. right? Yep. yep. Called He's it like, good. I'm yeah, he, he did. I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to the track. I got a horse in the third. Um, the thing about that coaching staff that people don't realize, Bernard's put, I mean, excuse me, Bob Gebhardt put together some of that coaching staff, including Larry Bernard. And Don Baylor put together the other half. So it was a hodgepodge coaching staff. It wasn't picked by the manager or the front office. It wasn't done collectively. And I always wondered, Tom, I didn't see a lot of it. I wasn't around that much. But when you were there, did they all get along? I think hodgepodge was an excellent term. Uh, and I, yeah. that included the players and everything. I and mean, when you think of, you yeah. know, that, how they were all assembled and, you know, the same thing was going on down in Miami as well. But yeah. Uh, I don't think Miami would, there was as much, oh my God, we're getting a major league baseball team. Yeah, there was so no when I think, there, not at all. So, so when they arrived and you had the 80,000 EY day and all that sort of stuff starts to unfold and people are looking around because, you know, in 1993, that team was not a great team, but it was. We a didn't team lose 100 games have, though. No, there'd be 60,000 people coming out on a Tuesday night and they're looking yep. around like to watch us. You know, yep. that's how like, I looked at it. Well, no, I mean, that's what Dante, Dante Bichette said. He's like, well, man, we would pop up into foul ground and they standing ovation, man. I mean, yeah, everything it was, was weird. It was incredible. It was, it was weird. If you'd been around for a while and and that's where you landed and that's what you experienced in the fan base, you're looking around like, are you, are you people paying attention? But also, are you watching the game? But also, I, I mean, that, that the fan base here is, has, is so, you know, it's so energetic and, you know, when this team is good. So fantastic, and especially on that. Th Larry Walker was in the building that first day, EY day, as yeah. he put it there, Tom. <laughs> and, the and he was right. the Expos. He's hurt, but he was in the, he was in the the dugout, mm -hmm. and he said, "I'm glad EY hit that home run because I remembered that when I was a free agent, and <laughs> that's that's why because I remembered I was mad that I was hurt that day in particular because there were eighty thousand. I didn't. I've never played in front of eighty thousand people, mm -hmm. you know. And and so and and he even said, you know. And he and he says this regularly. It's like I hope in my lifetime there's a parade down Lake Street. You know, I want to see that fan base. You know, we weren't very good for most of the time I was there, but that fan base deserves a winner. And uh, and I think he's right. This is a fan base that has just had so been so spectacular that 
you really feel for them and you feel like, you know what, it's, you know, and, and the question is, will it happen in, in our lifetime? You know, will they win? Because it's just sure. it's already really hard to win up here, even if you don't make mistakes, you know. I thought Walker was, Walker was every bit the best player I ever saw wear a Rockies uniform, you know, for a few seasons. And then you have Todd Helton, who was better longer and obviously stayed. But a name popped into my head just now of a guy who, you know, always ran into injury trouble. But Ellis Burks, yeah, for a while, looked like he was going to be the best Rocky ever. I mean, he was unbelievable. Ellis, Ellis is awesome. Yeah. He's so good. And he would have been a Hall of Famer if he if he could stay on the field because every time he was in there, he hit, you know, yep. yeah. to this day, I think he he and Hank Aaron are the only guys to do a 40 homer, 200 hit, 100 RBI, Deal. something like yeah. that. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was just two of them. And and Hank called him after the season that year and, and congratulated him. And he for, at first, he didn't believe it. He's like, I don't think oh, yeah. this ain't no Hank Aaron. He's about to hang up the phone. He's like, but you know, it was, it was, it was all set up. Um, and it was, it was very cool. But yeah, Ellis was on one of those. There's so many Rockies that you think if they were healthy a lot longer, you wonder what would have happened. So yeah. uh, guys, who was the pitcher who gave up EY's home run? Can, can either one of you tell me who the name of the pitcher? I, yeah, who gave I could up? tell. I, I could probably Is it tell. Kent Bottenfield. There you go. It was Kent Bottenfield. Kent Bottenfield. Uh, who I, Rocky. I talked yeah. to. He was a future time. Rocky that season. He became a Rocky oh, yeah. in that same yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he was an All Star a couple years. Who'd he hit the? Who'd that ball? Who's whose head over over whose head did that ball fly? Out. John Vanderwall. <laughs> John Vanderwall, future John Rocky, Vanderwall. still has the record for pinch hits in a single yeah, season. Yeah, he had a pinch That's hit right. blaze. Yep. Yes, he was. Bottenfield told me that that day at, at Mile High Stadium was it was louder. It was like a Kansas City Chiefs football game. You could not hear yourself think <laughs> on the mound. Felipe Alou came out to chew him out after he gave because the Rockies hit what four home runs that day. Felipe Alou came to chew him out, on, left him in the game, but came to chew him out. He couldn't hear him what he was saying. There's no way he goes, I could tell he was mad. I just couldn't tell what he was saying. I couldn't hear him. It was that it was that loud and that chaotic there. But that team featured, remember, Alex Cole was a center fielder, a guy went on to mm-hmm. end up in prison a few years later. Charlie Hayes, as we mentioned, Daryl Boston, as you mentioned earlier, was on that team. And obviously Andres Scott Benavides Rodgers, and short, I think. Joe Girardi. But, Joe Girardi. Um, so that's a question yeah. I have for you two Rockies experts. Will the Rockies, you know, let's not talk about winning a pennant. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Will the Rockies ever have a really good catcher? Right. Huh. They haven't yet. They haven't. No. In 30 years. No. Just like yeah. I, 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 t- I throw this out all the time, Tom. There's there three holes in this in this market. The Rockies have never drafted and developed a catcher. The Broncos have never drafted and developed a quarterback. And the Avs have never drafted and developed a goaltender. <laughs> and there's no explanation well, for any yeah, of those things. Now, now, now they, the other two teams have won championships, so they get they a have. pass. But right. I just think how hard you would have to go out of your way to try to not accidentally right. have a Run great catcher. A somebody somebody right. would have got hot. An all-star. I mean, a Sean Chacon kind of all-star season, right? Where you just, just, have, just have this fluky thing. You become an all-star. It still hasn't happened. It's amazing. Well, the Rockies have a lot of Tori, Tori Alba was the closest. He, yeah. he got hot. and it keep, He was their best yeah. Season, yeah, but he was never, catcher. never close to an all, never close. To Maybe an that's the key. Yes. Once they get a good catcher, they're going to win it all. Maybe that's Maybe. it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's what's, hey, what. That's the missing ingredient. They've had some other characters on this team, Tom, that you covered over the years. I mean, think about it. Jason Giambi was was part of that uh, 2007 team. Not a full time player, but yet the guy who was parading around the clubhouse in a golden thong and stuff like that. Right. I mean, they, they had some characters come through here, but it's generally, by and large, been a team of. I guess for lack of a better term, gentlemen. Is that fair? Uh, well, you know what? I, I 
have they had a star? And I mean, Todd Helton, Larry Walker, the guys we've been talking right. about are stars. Right. But I mean, a guy who walks into a restaurant and the restaurant goes, ooh, yeah. You know, and that that would be where it begins, where you have I mean, we live in a star yeah. era in sports and in life and whatever. But that yeah. everyone's cell phone comes out when he walks in, you know, for, for the best players. And I do think Todd Helton should be in the Hall of Fame. And oh, I no know question. Larry Walker should be in the Hall of Fame. And they're great players. And but, you know, neither really embraced the moment, the public, the you know, at least in the moment, you know, later on yeah. as they mellowed later careers, I think they became more comfortable with celebrity and, and, and seeing the two-way street of fame. Hey, Tom, we got to wrap this up. Before I let you go, I want, want to know how your perspective on the Colorado Rockies has changed from the news desk now as opposed to being on the sports desk. Is there any, I mean, you don't cover the team on a regular basis, maybe if yeah. something spectacular happens, but how's your perspective changed on, on the organization as a whole, their impact on the community? Oh, the impact on the community, I think, still exists. They've always been a, a great club as far as trying to put their community foot forward. But, you know, it'll it'll move the needle as it moves with their baseball success. They, they've got to become better so that young fans want to be Rockies fans. And I think that that's going to be hard to do, you know, if you're if you're finishing fourth and fifth and, and you're not competitive. But I, I, I think they, they do try. But covering it from the news desk instead of the sports desk, you know, I have a distance now from the locker room, from the front office. I don't go to enough games. I don't watch enough games, you know, to have a, a really valid opinion other than, you know, what I derive from what I do take in. But I'm not out there like you guys are all the time. So, you know, m mine are more general opinions. And, and, you know, I'm more of a sports talk caller now than a host. Oh, have you, do you call in an assumed name like Lou from Littleton or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you that. It's no, like I, having a Twitter burner account. You can't tell. Yeah, me. that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Even if I did, I'd say no. Yeah, yeah. you would say no. Hey, he he's been around uh, since watching the Colorado Rockies since before there were cell phones, so people couldn't go in, in a, into a restaurant and take a picture of somebody because there weren't any cell phones back then. True. He's seen it all. He's seen it from the very beginning. And Tom, we really appreciate you sharing your your stories with us. Um, hopefully, some good stuff happens down the road, and we can all go to our graves having watched some decent Rockies baseball. In the next thirty years, what do you say? You'd, you'd yeah, rather let's hope. Yeah, you'd rather have you'd rather you know go to your grave having it happen rather than like what they did in Boston after they you know go into graves and putting down you know uh, they finally did <laughs> yeah. it, Grandma. That you know yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So, but I before there were the Rockies, the first team was the Bend Rockies, and I went up to Bend for their first game, and a kid named really? Will Scalzetti hit a walk off grand slam, so the Rockies wow. won their first one up in Bend, Oregon, <laughs> and I remember that. And then in the middle of 30 years was, was 2007 and a run to the World Series. So, you know, while it is, is dark, they always say it, it, it gets darkest before it gets completely black. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, I, was, I thought, he was, go yeah, thought he was going to go with the dark. I thought he was going to go with like, he's going to go did. with the line from, uh, you know, from, okay. from, yep. from, there you from go. Dent where he goes, you know. That, is, the, that is a Tom Green we all know and love. Hey, dawn. Tom, thank you very, very much. It's darkest and, before the dawn, but then you go to the black. Yeah, darkest <laughs> before it gets black. Okay. Fantastic. Hey, thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Take care thank you, of yourself. There, there he goes. Ya. Tom Green, catch him on Channel 9 News, uh, doing news now and not sports, but still a sports fan at heart. <laughs> hey, man, are you going to close things out for us? Yep, coming up. Uh, all right, Manny's going to close it out. This is the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay right here. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. 
Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out Stoney'sBarandGrill.com. Our guest on this week's podcast, Tom Green, took us down memory lane all the way back to the beginning of the Colorado Rockies in 1993. That reminded us just how tremendous the baseball fans of this region have been throughout the 30-year history of this franchise. After craving Major League Baseball for decades, when Denver finally got an MLB team, it set a Major League single-season attendance record that, given today's smaller ballparks, may never be broken. 4.5 million fans passed through the turnstiles of Mile High Stadium that first season, and tens of millions more have done so at Coors Field ever since it opened in 1995. There isn't a former Rocky that I've spoken to who hasn't felt gratitude toward the amazing fans of the Rocky Mountain region. From Dante Bichette talking about how he'd get standing ovations even after making an out, to Larry Walker saying he truly wants to see a World Series championship parade making its way down Blake Street in Lower Downtown before his time on Earth is over. So here's to you, the baseball fan. Without you, none of this matters. Without you, there would be no joy in the national pastime. And without you, specifically here in Colorado, there would be no Major League Baseball. I didn't grow up around here, but in the seven years I've been in Colorado, I have marveled at the sheer passion of this fan base for baseball. For Rockies fans everywhere, here's hoping that in your lifetime, you'll get to witness that parade down Blake Street. Manny slams a door and another park-adjusted Rockies podcast is in the books. Our thanks to the one and only Tom Green for being our guest and sharing his perspective on three decades of Rockies baseball. And thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.